Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I'm the A, his name is Q, breaking down every single sport for you. On Thursday nights, from 8 to 10, we are the true voice of the fans, so you know we always win. From hoops to football, the video games, baseball, hockey, the NCAA, we give our side, cause that's all we know. This is a labor of love, that's why we do this show. From the Merlin Mitten to the Sunshine State, we can talk all day about who's great. Give us a call anytime, 760-539-3269. You know if we could, we would do this every day. Welcome to this episode of Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans, Sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans. What good sports fans, welcome to another episode of Sports Q&A, I'm Q. And I'm A, and welcome to tonight, new day, same time, Tuesday, February 21st, 2017. I'm glad you're here, made it here with us on the time change, but let's let you know how you can contact us in all our social media sites. You can check us out on Twitter at sports underscore QA. Also, sports underscore QA underscore preps. Also on Instagram, sports underscore QA. You can also check us out on Facebook, the Facebook page, which is low, L-O-W-E, the letter N, in Washington. That's low, L-O-W-E, the letter N, in Washington. The Facebook fan page, sports Q&A, the book group, sports Q&A. Check us out on our website. Got some fresh, hot articles came out. Somebody motivated me today. Uh, but uh, www.sportsqanda.com. Let me slow that down. That is www.sportsqanda.com. And last but not least, give us a call tonight's show seven six zero five three nine thirty two sixty nine. That is seven six nine. Whoa, seven six zero five three nine thirty two sixty nine. I'm gonna apologize in advance to everybody that's on the call. If I sound a little tongue-tied or twisted or slurring a little bit, it's because I had a double root canal earlier today. So I still wow. have a right. I still have little effects of the 
Novocaine going on. I got an ice pack alternating on my, my on my on my jaw, and I'm uh, a little buzz on some uh, ibuprofen 800s right now. So it's gonna be an adventurous show today. Uh, don't hold it against me if we uh, if I'm a little off, but I'm just letting you know in advance, huh? Woo! But how you doing today? That was a mouthful. Yeah, it was definitely a mouthful. <clears throat> So what's good in Dallas today? How how was the temperature there? The temperature here has been has been a real off temperature. I was able to rake the leaves and play and watch the car yesterday. Oh, was that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it was around seventy degrees. So we've been able to enjoy the nice weather. I was in Houston this past weekend. It wasn't too hot like normally down in H Town, but it was just cool enough. Attended the outside wedding. So I didn't bake, didn't fry too bad, but it's always good to enjoy the hot weather. My question is how long will it last? Uh, I know the last couple of weeks weather has been up and down, just like a lot of team sports fans, cold one day, warm the next day, freezing the next day. So you never, I mean, you just always have to prepare yourself for the unexpected. And we're, we're starting to notice that with the NBA as we get closer to the the, the trading deadline, a lot of teams have revved up their engine. A lot of teams have cooled down their engine in regards to trying to find some talent and trying to get rid of some talent. So it's def- definitely going to be interesting to see who gets moved, who doesn't get moved, and just the names that are being fancied about. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of rumors swirling around a lot of different places. I have a theory on that, which I'll jump in and talk about a little later when we get into that. But uh looks like somebody who was rumored to be part of a, a mega trade or a mini mega trade with the Pistons, Lou Williams, got traded to Atlanta, I mean to the Rockets for a first-round pick, uh, which I think that was an overvalue right there. But, once again, teams feeling that they're closer than, <clears throat> than they are, uh, making that jump, doing what you do. But uh, – uh, we you want to jump into uh into the free agency or you want to go do point counterpoint real quick? Oh, we start off with point counterpoint. All right, so and yes, folks, I'm letting you know Al is all NBA in, even though I watch very little of All Star Weekend. Um mm-hmm. and um, and everything that I missed was the joke was the joke with the, the 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 three I mean the contest the dunk all that other stuff they were duds I did watch the second half of the game after watching the disappointing loss by Michigan to Minnesota um fell asleep somewhere in the fourth quarter I only was watching it because people were they were talking so much about the potential of this one team getting the two hundred which I would just say I would like to see but even that they couldn't do um. But, you know, they announced, I think it was last week, the semifinalists for the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. Uh, and there were some names of, you know, players that you think that going to go in with the ease and not have any questions. But there were some other players that are kind of on the border. So we kind of looked at that list and kind of came up with our <clears throat> point, counterpoint, not necessarily – Point counterpoint for one person, but I'll take the point of why one player should be in and Q would take the other, and I'm taking the role as travel. 
Um, <clears throat> now, if you grew up in our in our generation, you know who both these players are. But if you grew up as an Eastern Conference fan, you definitely knew who this player was. Uh, even though he played for a team that kind of was that. I can't even call them the Buffalo Bills. I, I actually I would have to probably compare them to the Detroit Lions of the nineties. They would get to the playoffs right. losing and losing the wild card or the first round. That's kinda how this team was, but it was because the talent level was there. That team I mean, for the players, I mean for the the, the time that they played in and they played against for people who don't know, they played against the likes of uh uh the Celtics, the Pistons, the Hawks with Dominique and Moses uh, as well. I mean, of course, that's just in the East. Uh, even then, the Bulls, the Cavs. Um, so it was, you know, the Bucks were at five, six, seven slot. And they just, you know, I think if they would have got a favorable match in that first round, they may have been able to make some noise, but they just couldn't get through it. But my point is the argument why Sir Sidney Moncrief should make it to the uh the uh, Hall of Fame. So Sidney Moncrief. Now, first of all, folks, I want you to understand. Uh, and it was a surprising thing. And I think the first person who got elected into the Hall that really drew my eye as far as the points that they averaged. I wanted to say it was Joe Dumas. Um, and at first, you know, I'm thinking, hey, Hall of Fame, got to be 25 points. Woo-woo. But then you start seeing the likes of uh, Dennis Rodman for his defensive prowess and other players. Get in. So I started looking at Moncrief, and Moncrief was just—I mean, he, we would have wars against uh, against uh, the Bucks. But Moncrief, when you looked at it, and once again, I came on, became a fan in the, probably the tail end of his career uh, in the late '80s. But Moncrief just career highlights: five-time All-Star, five-time All uh, All Defensive Team, five-time All NBA. And, five, and two-time defensive player of the year, which I had no idea when we took this point count. Yeah, right. But when you look at this uh, and you look at his stats, um, he was uh, consistent as consistent could be once he became a starter. Uh, and his career averages are up there with people playing his position, and he was a combo guard. Uh but his points per game, I just had it. Uh, something wrong with my eyes. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. Where is it? I'm blind. Um, but it's like, no, is that right? No, that's field goal attempts. Dude, seriously. Hold on. And I'm looking at stuff that I wrote down. Points per game. <laughs> I'm just going to guess. I think it's like around 14 points. Now, this is the one thing that I didn't know about him. He retired at the end of the 89 season, set out, and then came back and played 72 games for the Hawks his last year, where he only averaged like 4.2 points. But he was consistent. He was consistent with his scoring. He was consistent with uh, his assists and rebounds uh, for guard, which that had to be, you know, that was a – a must-have back in the day of what guards had to do, had to rebound, had to do it all, especially if you run into point. Uh, and and right. he's well, and he's good enough to, to play shooting guard. I think the biggest difference for me and my point with Sidney Moncrief, and this wasn't even the point that I was going to bring up, 
until I actually pulled up the stats from basketballreference.com, is his defensive prowess. I mean, in that time period and the way that they played ball game, if you talked about, say, from the 80s, give me a defensive-minded a defensive player, Sidney Moncrief would not, from a fan's point of view, in our generation would not have come to mind. You would have Michael Cooper. You would have Dennis Rodman. You would have any number of Joe players. Dumas. Right, Joe Dumars. You would have any number of players, but Sidney Moncrief, in his prime, which is early 80s, were years in which he dominated on the defensive end. I mean, you got five all-NBA, five uh, all-defensive team, and two defensive players of the year. Dude, that, that, that kind of shuts the game down when it comes to this. Now, granted, once again, he's not as well-known as some of his counterparts are. Uh, here you go. All right, here's, here's some of his stats. I, I, I found him now. Uh, at least, yeah, I found the majority of them. But defensive uh, rebounding, uh, four point uh, actually yeah four point seven a year, three point six assists, uh, one point two steals, uh, and for one reason, and I'll come up. This is not it. Something is wrong with my eyes. But and then his points, he averaged like between twelve and fifteen points. That last season in Atlanta kind of threw him off. Fifteen points. Thank you. I don't know what's wrong with my eyes. I should have printed it in color, apparently. But um, so the thing is, is that his dominance, when he had to go against the likes of Isaiah, Bernard King, uh, Jordan, uh, I, I mean, you name it, the guards of the East, he was the guy that was defending them. If he was the defensive guy that he was the defensive guy that he was, he was the guy put him on that guy. The same guy for Piston fans, you knew Joe, uh, Joe was going to be on whoever is the best defensive guard. I mean, uh, the best offensive guard on that other team, and I think this is <clears throat> this is will be be that difference. Even though he doesn't have the name credibility to uh, overall fans, because I could see a fan of today if he gets elected, like who is that? But when you look at him for what he is and what he's done, <clears throat> I think hands down, Sidney Moncrief will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, and this is. The point counterpoint tonight really isn't a either or type situation. It's just championing the guy that we both ended up picking. Now, my guy, um, great. Well, I will say this: he had a very good career, but it was somewhat stymied by a knee injury that he served, that he uh, suffered in the mid nineties. Uh, Mr. Tim Hardaway, aka. King Utah Two Step, aka Tim Bugs, uh, going by stats. Most of his stats were kind of brought on with his time during with the Golden State Warriors of the Run TMC fame. Uh, Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen, and Mitch Richmond. Uh, these guys were that that excitement out of the Western Conference but also one of those teams that really couldn't get things done. They were never a team that made it out of the first round. And for all the talent that they had, they really didn't contend in the Western Conference. So I think that's one thing some people would say as far as if they want to knock them. But Tim Hardaway was a five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA recipient, 1989-90 All-Rookie team, and his career average was 17.7 points per game, 
uh, assists per game and also had three rebounds, which is pretty decent for a guy that's listed as six foot. I had the pleasure of meeting Tim Hardaway when he was a scout for the for the Heat in Florida when he was scouting uh, USF. He's not six foot. I'm taller than him. So for him to be able to still average three, three rebounds, pretty good. But I think, like I said earlier, the fact that he got hurt, he missed the 93-94 season with a knee injury, that kind of derailed the rest of his career because up until that point, he had three consecutive 20-point-plus 20, 20 seasons. But after the injury, he only had two more seasons of 20 points per game. The following season, which was 94-95, and then in 1996-97 with the Miami Heat, he averaged 20 points. Uh, this is a guy, and this is the one thing I have to say about the, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame. A lot of people have particular issues with it or have their their thoughts and theories because they want to make it the NBA Hall of Fame, which it is not. This is So when you start considering the guy, whether he's valid, whether he's worthy, it just doesn't stick with what he did in the league or his impact in the league. I, I noticed this when it came down to <clears> – <throat> Yao Ming being inducted a few years back. Yao Ming had a, a pretty decent career in the NBA, but he was an ambassador for the NBA and China basketball. So that really pushed him ahead. And, and I think that's where you have to start looking at some of these guys that played in the NBA. Case in point, they have a, I think it's a high school team that's up for entrance into the, the Hall of Fame. So that shows right there it's not just about what you did in the NBA. So just looking at Tim, I think because of his impact as, a, as one of the guys of a, a true high-scoring trio with Ron TMC, the, the moments, the brief moments of greatness he had with Miami, with the Heat, he averaged 17 points per game, um, a slight dip from the 19.8 that he averaged in Golden State. And he just found a way of being one of those guys, the killer crossover. Um, this is one of the guys that you did not want to be checking on the on the break or even in the half court because he was known to break you down easily and get to the hole. This was one of my favorite players. I mean, I guess I'm going to be honest. I'm, gonna be, I'm somewhat biased because Tim Hardaway was one of my favorite players growing up. He's the reason why, one of the reasons why I love the number 10 growing up, him and Darren Dalton in baseball. Um, but, and it's crazy because I've never played a lick of basketball uh, competitive outside of one year in middle school. But Hardaway was one of the guys that I idolized uh, as a youngster. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and, and, and throw the, the bias flag into the situation and, and just champion him, champion him because this is a guy I like growing up. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't knock you on that. Uh, I mean, when you put the two together as far as popularity, I mean, the UTEP two-step was a beast. I had no idea. Uh, you know, I didn't follow Tim Hardaway in, in college. But when he was breaking breaking cats over on the on the end seams, uh, and uh, when he was in Golden State, it was ridiculous. I just – here's another thing. Always find quick facts. Uh, oh, where is it? It states the transactions that uh, actually Sidney Moncrief was drafted by the, the – I don't know if he was drafted by the Pistons and then traded to the Bucks or the picks were traded. 
because it reads, traded by the Detroit Pistons as a future 1979 first-round pick to the Milwaukee Bucks for 1979 first-round pick, Greg Kelsey. Mm. That's so it might have been one of those situations where the draft rights was just traded, kind of like what happened with Penny Hardaway and Chris Webber. The Warriors yeah. picked, uh, picked Hardaway, and instantly before the night even ended, he was traded to uh, mm-hmm. to the Magic, one of those things. And we've seen it. I mean, and that's one thing that we'll definitely probably bring this up when we're talking about the NBA free agency building through the draft and building through free agency later on in the show. This, you really don't, if you're going to make moves or you're going to try to acquire picks, it's going to either be done prior to that draft. You're not trading a guy for one draft pick. You're not trading, oh, uh, Lou Williams, who was just traded to Houston, he's not going to get traded on draft day. The likelihood of that is not as strong for a draft pick as it would if it was going to happen before the draft. So you just have right. to – people have to – this isn't like an NFL where you have a lot of movement even between the picks. If you're going to trade them, you're, you're more likely to trade the draft, draft rights for a guy than trade the actual pick once you get on draft day in the NBA. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's definitely true. Those I think those days are are pretty much gone. Uh, at least with the the big name guys, if you find that now, it will be for a a known commodity traded for a a, a rookie coming out. Um, but yeah, you won't see. I don't think you'll see those monster those monster trades. I guess we transition somewhat into free agency. Uh, and I mean, not the trade deadline, not free agency. Uh, the trade deadline, and I have a theory on that, and you can check it out on the website. Well, my theory, and, it, and it's kind of dealing with the today the new NBA, or at least how the NBA is it right now. Um, <clears throat> Q and I are old school fans. I'm more lock stock into the old school mentality than Q is. He's a little more open minded, but just looking at how teams are built and what teams are doing to try to improve. I mean, in no other time in the NBA has it been such a short list of teams who are potential potential champions. I mean, you basically have four or five teams that are in that small number, barring injury or a major upset. But if the odds makers made it and how teams are playing right now, you have about four or five teams, which I don't I don't mind naming Cleveland, uh, Golden State, Toronto. Um, uh, uh, San Antonio, San Antonio. Houston. Um, maybe Houston Boston. Just, yeah, maybe, maybe Boston, maybe. So within that time, and within that, if you're not those teams, you basically have no shot. So if I'm dealing with the trade deadline, which trade deadline typically is for salary cap moves or to get that one player to put you over, or I'm announcing to my fans that we are – packing up camp and we're getting draft picks or getting players for the future, um, then what am I going to do? You look at how today's NBA is, you have your super, a couple of super teams who te- who seem to be like they will still be at the top for the next three to four years. As a GM, do you fool your fans into thinking that you're doing something or do you really try to plan until after this little frame time frame is over? Because here's the biggest thing in the NBA, and I didn't even put this in the article, is that who is your true next round of superstars? Certified superstars. 
is Kyrie in that in that list? If LeBron is gone, does he step up into that? Who's that list? Is 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 uh Kawhi Leonard in that list? I don't know who's the who who people answers are, but if there's no true answer, this these are the ten certified stars of the NBA or five certified stars of the NBA. NBA is going to be wide open after San Antonio is finally dismantled, after LeBron is finally taking a downward swing in his career or retired, after Golden State, which is going to happen within within the next four years when contracts are time to re-up, is going to be dismantled, especially if they win the championship with how they're built right now. Then as a GM, what are you going to do? Because money is going to talk. It may not be destination because you don't have to have a super team anymore. After this, I, I, in my opinion, after this era of super teams, which start, kind of started with Boston, I don't think the super teams are going to be needed to win uh, win it if you don't have true superstars. You're going to have people, players that the NBA is going to boost as superstars, but I'm talking about true superstars. Once again, maybe 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 it's Lonzo Ball. <laughs> According to his daddy, it is. But the thing is, is that it, oh yeah, we yeah we got to talk about that at some point. But yeah, it, yeah. But let me cut you off. It's interesting that you brought up who are the next stars, and there there's a lot of potential there. But I think the guys that you would consider still have a lot of questions. You you look at someone like uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Maybe even Isaiah Thomas. Uh, who else is out there? Uh, for the sake of L.A., Magic Johnson, and everybody that's coming on board now, you hope that they have two guys, if not three, on that roster that come in superstardom in Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, and uh, the, uh, the guard from Ohio State. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Those are yeah. that's the thing. Everything is hope. There's there's no players that you feel comfortable under the age of I'm gonna put it at twenty five or twenty six if you know, okay, this guy can be handed the mantle and they're gonna be okay. Um San Antonio doesn't have it, Golden State doesn't have it. Their guys are all in their prime. These are guys that are twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven coming into their own uh we and then to take it another step further, if you do have guys that have potential, they're not in markets that the NBA wants them to be in. They're not in the Chicago. They're not in the New York. They're not in the LA. They're not even in Miami. I mean, I guess maybe Justice Winslow, he could be the next guy. Uh, the Pistons were hoping that maybe Stanley Johnson, Andre Drummond could be those guys, but we. We don't have that guy step up yet. And the problem is you look at even with this trade between uh, New Orleans and Sacramento, Buddy Hill, this was a guy that they just drafted this year that was expected to be the next guy or someone that really could contribute, and they've already washed their hands of him within half of a season. We never saw this. 10, 15 years ago, but now that's starting to become a, a pattern where you see the Thomas Robinson, you see the Michael Carter Williams. Teams are, are cutting bait with these guys quicker than normal. They can't afford to wait it out beyond that first contract to see if these guys are going to be able to contribute something 
or be that guy because they're chasing a dream and maybe they're chasing something insignificant. And and for all the jokes that we've had about this organization in this franchise, maybe Philadelphia has it right. Now, they still may lack the, the help that they need at the guard position, but what they've done at the small four, at the power forward in the center position with Ben Simmons, with uh, Jaleel Okafor, with, with Norlands Noel, and uh, Joel Embiid, those are either guys that are going to contribute or those are going to be guys that command pieces from someone else. We've heard uh, Okafor's name already bounced around the league with a couple of teams of maybe bringing in some pieces, and maybe that's how they get their guard. They may not have to draft. They may not want to even draft a guy as talented as Lonzo Ball may be. They need some veteran leadership on that team, and that may be the yeah. way they get it. And that's where the GMs make their big bucks is determining how they're going to go about it. I mean, you could go for the names. You could go for the flash. You can go for whoever has done what in the past. But if you have a team, and you, I mean, I think that's a perfect example a team that had to build it through the draft based upon their, their regular season performance, and um, they they lack that veteran leadership. I mean, that may be a destination due to their young core. And uh, a lot of players look at that more so than, uh, than GMs do, and sometimes GMs can be their only, I mean, their own worst enemy uh, when, it come, when it comes to that. But the uh, – it's going to be interesting. They're going to be moves made, and it's a given. The thing is, are these moves going to be made out of desperation? Like the thing is, and we haven't hopped on that end, but in L.A., are they going to be quick to try to move move some pieces to try to say they're doing some things with this new change in management, or are they going to go ahead and, <clears throat> and sit still and do a true assessment of where they are and move forward going forward next year, knowing that they still are two or three years away from being competitive on a regular basis? Um, but that may include because their new leadership has all all types of uh, pull in the game, all types of pull. So it, it's it's a uh, yeah. It, it's how everything works. That Jeannie Buss had a better saw Magic Johnson as more of her brother than she did her brother Jerry Buss. So yeah, that's that's kind of concerning on one end, but endearing for if you are Magic Johnson. So, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things are going. And even in this, since getting on this topic, I've seen a couple of things come down our uh, sports Q&A Twitter timeline has given me the major screw face. Word is out of Utah and down here that the Jazz are, have expressed interest in bringing back beleaguer point guard Darren Williams. Now, I guess because, uh, again, <laughs> the fact that uh, Jerry, uh, uh, Jerry Sloan is no longer there, his, maybe they feel better about bringing him back in, in and maybe uh, the new head coach, um, Quinn, is, is, is Quinn Snyder has a better feel of how things are going, but I never envisioned him going back to Utah at any point in his career. Yeah. I don't know uh, what's that about, um, but and he, has, he has. A, you said he has a what? He has a no trade clause, and that with him the the conversation was 
um, yesterday on Sports Talk Radio down here was the fact that with him being from the Dallas area, maybe he would not be interested in moving from this area, but we never know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a little sleep for the GMs during this time period. And, you know, we'll talk about it on the other side of this break, uh, how some of the players who potentially are, are trade bait uh, and things are coming out as rumors and they're being addressed and how they're addressing those. Because some are taking it with stride and some are taking it uh, and their feathers are getting a little ruffled. So we're going to go ahead and go to our break and we'll be right back. This half-hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back to tonight's episode of Sports Q&A. It's 8.32 in the p.m. Make sure you give us a call at 760-539-3269. That's 760-539-3269. So we're addressing the NBA trade deadline, which is on this Thursday. Um, And we talked about some of the potential or the approaches. But you looked at it, and uh, we kind of discussed it real quick before we got on the air. Uh, Looking at the local area here in the Pistons, where last week it was rumored that Reggie Jackson was going to be traded, and now it's rumors that – uh, Andre Drummond, who just signed a max contract over the summer, is potentially on the trade trade list. Um, I feel that no one on this team is untouchable, but it has to be the right price. We're not giving we're not giving anybody away, and I just think uh, not- that. Uh huh. I said this is not Sacramento. We are not bloody Divas. Right. Um, so the thing is, is that if, if a trade is made, especially when he's dealing with Drummond, you have to get things that you're lacking or allow it to be a setup. Uh, the, the, here, here comes if, if whether it, the position that the head coach and GM or whatever it is, vice president of player or player personnel, Stan Van Gundy, if he's going to be doing too much, are these moves that he's made? He, he All his moves – Thus far, for the most uh, most part, have been praised as it being a nice fit, a nice role player. But now you get to this point where it seems that, for whatever reason, whether it's the players, the coaches, or the management, the progression in which everybody thought this team was going to make, which everybody thought this team was going to be a top four team, is not occurring. No, the defense is is uh, is Swiss cheese like, and offensively they just don't flow. I saw a stat earlier that with with Jackson and Drummond on the feet on on the court they have their lowest efficiency, and you, and they said the second lowest efficiency is when it's just Drummond on the court defensively. That is, so the people that you depended on at least Drummond thought that he was a defensive stopper. He gets his, his blocks, but it's not necessarily a defensive stopper type blocks. Um, he definitely gets his rebounds. Uh, but can there be an upgrade? Potentially. I think he needs a true big. 
He has all the flex bigs on his team. Nobody's down there really to bang with him. Um, and I think that 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 hurts him. And I think he, I don't think the Pistons have done, have done a good enough job to uh, to develop him. I mean, you got Rick Mahorn who's working the TV set. Man, I would get this, offer him double whatever he's making now, and say your job is to make this guy tough, to make this guy dominant. Now, Rick Mahorn may not be the one to give him, teach him down low moves, low post moves, but if he teaches him half of the toughness that he had, he'll be a much better player on a defensive end. But at this point in time, I don't know where Van Gundy thinks what his team is, but I think still even being a top four team, that's second round and out. They can't get past Toronto in the seven-game series, can't get past Cleveland in the seven-game series, can't get past Boston in the seven-game series. That game will probably go the furthest than any of those three. So mm-hmm. what's the case? Just to say I'm competitive. The thing is, is what you're going to do? Yes, we, we're lacking this. What are we going to do? Are we going to go ahead and play and go for it? Or are we going to go and say, well, this is putting us in place for the come up next year? Because you got to do something. Uh, because you're not meeting the expectations. Everything was grand. You're moving into a new facility. Yes, that plays a part. Because Van Gundy, if he was a coach, he really wouldn't care about that. Man, that's management's job. But he's part of management, too. So he's worried about that, too. So I, I, with, with, with the drumming piece, I said it off air. I said, now nah, they need to get a draft pick as well as a shooter. Um, but the rumors that have been out there is that that's not what they're getting. Now, if there's another move attached to that, if that's a contingency that they made a move prior to that and they get a shooter, I don't know. But they need a straight up sh- somebody that can just shoot because I don't know who's the pure shooter on the team. <laughs> Nobody. The best shooter. You don't know. Done. You can, somebody can say one and say, well, remember when he went one for 17? You know. It's a, it's a whole everybody's streaky. You can't have a team of streaky shooters because you don't have a go-to. Games on the line. Who you going to the Pistons? I know who's going to take the shot, but do you want him to take the shot? <laughs> that, and yeah. that's and that and that's the biggest thing. If you don't want him taking the shot, it's just like if you're a Michigan fan, you definitely don't want Irvin taking the shot at the end of the game. Then what do you do? So, but I think. Uh, and,
will start to uh, think I saw him say somewhere where Reggie thought he was better than what he was. And when you have a guy that does not fit into the, the, the ideology of the team and where the team wants to go, it can be a lot of friction. And I've seen even in the few games I've seen him play over the past two years, it's been feast for family. Uh, where he either shot the team out of a game or he's shot a team to a victory, most recently being the Dallas victory uh, before All-Star break. That game, he came out playing well. I was almost surprised. I wanted to check his jersey to see if this was the same guy. But right. it's it, it just it's so frustrating that you have these two extremes with him, and I think that's what frustrates uh, just Van, uh, Van, Stan Van Gundy as a coach and definitely as someone that has that management hat in his back pocket because he knows that as long as uh, Jackson plays this erratic, he has no takers. It's like, I can't – who am I going to trade you to? I mean, there's, there's been some speculation that some teams were interested in them, uh, even going back to maybe if they could have finessed a deal involving him or, or Stanley Johnson and Drummond where they could have got uh, DeMarcus Cousins. But the one person, he had to be included in that trade because there's no way the Pistons would have survived with Reggie Jackson and DeMarcus Cousins on their roster at the same time. But it, it's okay. definitely going to be interesting. They would have fight, fighting in, during the game, literally. Right. Reggie would have took a shot, and DeMarcus would have busted him in the back of his head while going up the court because <laughs> he didn't right. get him the ball. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what moves are made and what made what moves aren't made because we hear a lot of speculation, we hear a lot of stuff, but it may not necessarily get made. And, and once again, those I mean, that's an every year type of deal where it comes with all of those rumors. But it's going to be very interesting, to, like you said, who's going to actually move. What teams feel that they, they want to risk the future to go after it now? And I don't know how many teams feel that they have a shot. I mean, that's what I said. You got to be realistic as a GM, especially right now, because you can make a move this year and can ruin you for the next three years but based upon how everything is, uh, you know, how everything plays itself out. Um, yeah, and that's what I don't want to do. Um, and this is crazy. My favorite phrase in basketball I took from NBA 2K16. I think it was uh, one of the guy, one of the announcers. They called them treadmill teams. Just good enough to be good, but not be a contender, but not bad enough to be in that top three pick of the, the lottery. So they're on that that treadmill of mediocrity. And the Pistons have been that way for a while. You look at. Recently, Dallas Dallas is that way um, with the departures of LeBron and my uh, D Wade. Miami Miami is now in that position. Orlando has been that way, and it's like, how do you get off of that? How do you get off that treadmill? How do you become the team that uh, propels itself to being what doing what Boston did? Propel yourself to even what Houston is doing. I mean, because nobody. When Houston, Houston made those deals to acquire even uh, Harden, Dwight Howard, and a couple other those pieces, no one saw Houston being that third team or being that next team up. But they made 
they they made their mistakes, but then they also realized, okay, we have to pull back. We have to be smart about this. Um, and I think that's what Philadelphia is doing. Philadelphia is, is, is priming itself, not for this year, maybe not even for next year, but when when LeBron gets, like you said in the article, when LeBron hits that 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 true downside of his career, when you when D Wade has retired, when Carmelo has definitely moved on, who's next? Philadelphia. They have the pieces. They have the guys. Their coaching staff is pretty good. I mean, even Boston, Brad Stevenson, they made a, a move where, with them acquiring uh, Al Horford, he's not one of those old heads, but he he still has a good. Three or, three or four years in the league. So if they make a move, not this year, but next year or the year after next, he can still find his footing and maybe get to that championship because now Cleveland's out the way. Kind of had to lose one or two pieces because they couldn't afford to pay everyone. And I think that's the thing that's going to catch Golden State up in the end is you got to pay KD and you have to pay uh, Curry in addition to having uh, Draymond Green on the contract uh, Clay Thompson on the contract, and whoever else is on that roster to fill it out. Yeah, and that's, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's like Seattle. Seattle still keep making the playoffs, but they still not as dominant as they were when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, that's the Seahawks, that is. Um, and that's the thing yeah. is, you <laughs> say, well, what are you going to do? How do you change from getting off that treadmill? I mean, you have to either – pick the right coach that can do the right things, which we're seeing in Houston, and the GM that has the vision and the owner that buys into that vision to recognize that, yes, it's not going to be instant, but we can make a a legit five-year run, which to me is probably the max that you can ask for a team to have without having a true superstar. You know what I'm saying? Or a super team, a five-year legitimate run where you have First year or first two years, we're we're conference championship bound, and then the next three we're competitive for the for world championship. I, I think that's about all you can ask from a GM's point because everything has to go injury, development, all that stuff. And that's why you have to look at what the Pistons did with both title runs to be like extraordinary, because especially with that 4 team, them making six consecutive Eastern Conference Finals. Three NBA fine, uh, two NBA finals back to back years. That's with no superstars, with no true go to players. That is dead, and I think that kind of worked in the, in in a bad position for the Pistons fans because now there's still guys out there that think, oh, we can just construct this team like the old four team is the work. Not anymore. Not the way the NBA is set up. You need a superstar. Whether we Hate it or not, you have to you have to be in that position where you have that guy that you can depend on in a crunch. He's gonna give me on a on a good night. He's gonna give me thirty. On a bad night, he may give me eighteen, but we still find some way of winning because he's gonna make a play here and there. And the Pistons don't have that guy. Right. I mean, they got a bunch of role players and a bunch of guys with potential. And yeah. the thing is, is when did that potential become reality? I mean, we thought Drummond last year, maybe this year, it's the money that's, that that's changed his mind. Or maybe because Reggie didn't, they didn't start off the year, they didn't move as they are. And he, I mean, to me, Drummond 
can be can be a twenty twelve guy and still not be a dominant guy. I mean, we saw that from Dwight Howard. The thing is, is that I'm content with him being a twenty twelve guy, but you got to have people around him as well. You got to have another twenty point scorer around, him, or at least an eighteen, an eighteen to six yeah. from a guard from a guard position. So the thing is, is that. Who is that person? Everybody keeps fading in and out like, oh, I'll take the role. No, let me go this time. No, let me go this time. No, who's going to be there all the time? So the, big, the biggest thing is, is is you have to have those definitive roles. And I think the biggest role that you have, if you keep drumming, is to have to have a pure shooter, your go-to guy. I'm not – here's the thing, folks. I'm not asking for Rip Hamilton. That would be great if we could find the next Rip. I'm asking for somebody who's a consistent shooter. He doesn't necessarily have to be a consistent three-point shooter. And that's the thing people confuse when you say shooter. No, that's a long-range shooter. That's, most long-range shooters, can, are, are that's, they're specialty guys. I want somebody who can just shoot the J and not necessarily make this team a jump-shooting team because they don't need to be that. Right. I mean, the, the, the true player that – it's a name out there that I would love to acquire, but I think because of where he is, they may still ask too much for him. And that's DJ McCollum out in, uh, in Portland. That's yeah. going to be Dame's team. He's there. So what is he going to do? Even if he's getting paid, so to speak, he he'll never be that. Would never be his team. Where he could go to uh, uh, another squad. Imagine him in right now. Imagine him in New Orleans. Yeah, that's a dangerous team. You put him at the two, Drew Holiday at the one, whoever with those two big behemoths up front. That's a team that you could you should be worried about. Where everybody wants to put New Orleans oh automatically in the playoffs, they got to catch Denver, and Denver's been playing well. Denver has some peace, and this is a, that's another team that could, depending on how things shape out west. They're building that foundation. They have Jokic. They have uh, a couple other guys. They have Wilson Chandler, who actually they were thinking about moving. They have Gary Harris. They have Jamal Murray. They have some young pieces. It's just will Denver's management stay the course? And will they get excited about being a fourth or fifth seed and say, oh, I want, I want to be that third seed. Let me make an a ill-advised move and then backfire. Yeah, and once again, that management. Do I see ourselves moving, making that move now, or do I see us making that move two years down the line with more sustained power? So, listen, man. I mean, you you have a gamut of of, of GMs, uh, and some are successful. I mean, it's no surprise. This is reality. It's no surprise. Teams that are good tend to be good, and for a long time with the right leadership. So. Once again, am I playing for the fans or am I playing for my organization? Fans want any any name player. We've been there before. We've been there with the Pistons, with with the Lions, with the Tigers, even with the Red Wings, even while they were winning. That name recognition, Pat Swillen, uh, uh, what's that boy, uh, Gun, uh, Gonzalez, the guy who, ain't, who made a short in the defenses and then left, Juan Gonzalez. You know, we've been there with the Brett Hulls. We, we've been there with all these – our team. Don Ellie. <laughs> right. Man, please, don't, please. See, you, them fighting words right there. 
Sean Elliott was the worst. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those those are the biggest police move of an individual player I've ever seen in sports. Dude couldn't get on the court because he planned to be hurt. As soon as he left Detroit, went back to San Antonio and was balling out. Right. And got the ship. Man, get out of here. They should have gave him a chip of the ring. That was it. But, yeah, so that's the thing is that if you're going to let – and it's different. you can do that temporarily but still have a major plan. Like I put in the article, you could, you could uh, confuse the fans enough to cheer for your move. Why you still uh, uh, helping your 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 salary cap, which will help you sign players and bring people in? It's going to help you win, but it has to be a plan, and it can't be all hodgepodgey. Uh, and to me, you know, with the Kings, that their plan was just to get rid of them and get as much as you could. Not necessarily the best offers, but the most because it, some of the offers that they turned down or rumored that they turned down. We're better than what they got. But, once yeah. again, they they felt they needed to make the move that they made. And once again, people will say, oh, but these, these uh, trade deadline trades are always for teams that are trying to get better and advance. Both these teams are outside of the playoff race right now. Both these teams are in, I think, the average is you know, 40, 42%, 42% winning percentage. Come on now. And this is the this this is the talk of the town. Well, it's the talk of the town because it's the biggest one trade, but that's that's where it is right now. Because the other teams are kind of figuring where they are. If I'm a top four team on both sides, I'm staying packed because we're top four for a reason. And barring an injury, uh-huh. we'll be good. We'll be good to go. But here we go. Let's talk about the other big news in the NBA right now, and that is the, the Lakers did something that. A lot of people felt were long was long overdue. They got rid of uh, Cup Check, got rid of uh, Bussy, and they let Magic, who slid under the radar because he's been with the organization for a couple of months, and now he's basically going to run the show. Um, what's your gut reaction on the 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 short and long term effect this will have on the Lakers? Um, short term, I think it's a, a boost of energy. It's a, a positive buzz. Um, everybody loves magic in that organization. It's just going to be one of those things where they're going to be re- rejuvenated, and it may translate on the court. I mean, he's already made his first move today, shipping off Lou Williams and getting the first-round pick for him. So, again, I give him kudos for this. But long term, I still have, to, I, I have a wait-and-see mentality with them because it's interesting with this hire, the the comments of his armchair quarterback, uh, well, armchair GM have come back to haunt him, Um, whether it's a couple of comments talking about if he had the first overall pick, he would take Brandon Knight (laughs) to certain teams being in contention for the finals and those teams not even coming close. So I think while everybody is having jokes about that, I think he understands that being a, a sideline participant and being the real thing will force him to kind of be more strategic in his moves. And Jeannie Buss isn't going to – I think she's still not – She with her being the president, she's still going to have some impact and some influence. It's not going to be one of those situations where 
Magic is just all willy-nilly. Uh, the speculation out there is that former uh, Michigan guard and current super agent Rob Palenka is in line to be the GM. So maybe that's a guy that can kind of pull in the reins from Magic when he has one of these moments where he wants to trade or he wants to make a questionable draft pick. But, I I mean, we've, we've been here before. We've seen the, the, the former player turn that upper management work. We've seen it not work. I mean, specifically on one team with Detroit. Dumars brought the championship, but Dumars also <laughs> drafted some, some dunderheads and some crazy people that got him ran out of town. So it, it's just one of those things. I think he definitely has to look at the time, the, the failures of some of these other athletes in management and, and take heed and know that it's more than just plug and play. It's more than just, oh, I just want to sign a bunch of names like most fans would. So, I mean, it's, I'm going to give Magic the benefit of the doubt and, and, and give him the first two or three years. Now, I wonder how long Genie is going to have that, that how long that leash is and how long before they expect the, the Lakers to be back in the playoff contention, not even necessarily making the playoffs, but being playoff contention. Is it three years? Is it four years? Is it two years? I mean, and it all depends on who 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 they attract in free agency. Next year, at well, at the end of the season, we have another rush of guys potentially opting out that could make this 2017 class very very interesting. You you look at Chris Paul, you look at Steph Curry, you look at Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. These are some of the names that could be back on the market, and maybe this is an opportunity for the Lakers to get Chris Paul after they were blocked by the NBA with that trade a few years ago, which could have gave Kobe another championship or could have extended the, the the lifeline of the Lakers, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, that definitely would be good because I heard before this announcement was made today, I heard yesterday that it was rumored that Paul was already going to, you know, had agreed in principle to re-up with the, uh, with the Clippers, but Right now, the Clippers have pretty much almost put themselves, have maxed out their potential. They would look like their window is pretty much closed on what they can what they can do. Uh, you know, they got to the point where they were and then they had an injury, but it looks like they're kind of, their window is kind of slowly shrinking on what they can do. And Chris Paul may recognize that, hey, I can stay right here in L.A., still do my thing, and still have a better chance because, that young nucleus in LA, you put the right vets in there, they may that that two to three year window may may shorten by a year and they may get better. So and and that's the thing that today's players, I think, with the access that you have to the other teams and everything else, you uh, have a better shot at kind of gauging where people are and where you fit best. Um, you know, some guys are still gonna go for the money. But a lot of guys are putting that second and third tier thought level of thought into it to see, hey, this this is how I can help, or this is how this team can help me. Um, so, I mean, I, I like to move for, for the Lakers. Magic is, is one of the best all time players in management, and coaching, and every role, other role that he's had, other than being in the owner of the of the, of the Dodgers. Not so much. So 
He's going to have to have somebody, like you said, Rob Palenka is going to have to ground him. He's going to have to listen to somebody. Because if he goes like his, his, his gut feeling or his tweets have suggested, you might as well have Charles Barkley as the GM. Because uh, Charles <laughs> Barkley will make, make some real aggressive, some emotional decisions based on what he sees or based on what the moment is. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a wait and see. It's a good thing because now it gives – while they're waiting for one of their young players to be a star, it gives the, the franchise a face again. Uh, and if he can find a way to get uh, Kobe Bean back to the Lakers in some shape, form, or fashion, that'll help as well. But uh, I think it was a, a win-win right now. Long Short-term is great, like you said. Short, long-term, we'll see. I think he needs to put the right people. He did – Almost to the point that he just needs to be there and name alone, and put the right folks, and just be the last person to sign off on stuff. Just be I mean, based on how because he he'll go in and be hot and hot and ready, and then he'll fizzle out. Coach when he was in management. So, just look at what's come out since today. According to SB Nation, they got a quote from him. It's going to take us a long while. I don't want to fool the fans. We're going to build this thing the right way. It's not a quick fix. I'm not a quick fix. I can't turn it around tomorrow or I really will be doing magic, right? So, I mean, at this point, he he understands that this is going to take some time. So, will he remain patient when, he th- when the move that he thinks is putting him in the right direction doesn't work? Maybe, maybe not. Um, that's a true test of this if he drafts somebody in the top five and they're, they're slow to progress, or he makes a a, a big uh, signing and that guy isn't, comes out the block slow, is he going to still be holding true to that mindset? And that's the thing I think a lot of people really want to see. It's good to talk it when things going around, but when that those bullets start flying, can you still hold that mindset of be still? Yeah, that's cool. That's going to be that, that, that commonplace that the Lakers are going to have to make a decision. But once again, the Laker Nation is once again relevant in the situation where they're not relevant on the court yet. Um, but we'll see. So we're about to take a quick break at the halfway point, and we'll be back. And, yes, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about football coming up, a little college basketball turmoil, and uh, talk about the impact of Mike Illich. And what is his team's, family team's now, what are they going to do? So we'll be right back after this break. This half-hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back to the second hour of sports Q&A. It is nine oh oh nine oh three, and we're back. Make sure you give us a call at seven six zero five three nine thirty two sixty nine. That's seven six zero five three nine three two six nine. So, yes, folks, the NB, I mean the NFL season has been over for a couple of weeks. Um, biggest thing is about to happen: free agency. The combine, 
The draft is old, a couple months away, but you know us. We'll get into it a little sooner than than later, like today. Uh, but we're going to talk about our free agency wants and needs uh, for the teams that are in our area or the teams that we cover or just any random team that we think of. Now, I'm not going to be as in-depth <clears throat> as far as going with specific players. <clears throat> I'm going to go into specific positions when I'm looking at <clears throat> the Lions um, because <clears throat> the Lions – making the playoffs two out of the last three years. Um, this basically being depending on uh, basically D-Day or the season for a couple of entities, their head coach, uh, Matt Stafford, if he doesn't re-up during the offseason, which I think he will, um, as well as Bob Quinn. Um, he, you brought back uh, <clears throat> Coach Caldwell for – uh, a one-year contract. So now, what are what are your moves going to be? Everyone is so far so so far praised your moves and free agency and the draft. How are you going to follow that with with your sophomore effort, your sophomore album? What are you going to do? So the thing is, is that the first thing they have to do is recognize where their 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 needs are, their top needs. To me, top needs in this order: linebacker. D-line, cornerback, running back, wide receiver. And I don't put I didn't put offensive line in there because I just think that they're going to re-sign Riley Reef, and that kind of solidifies the question of questions. The way you put them is totally up to you, but I just think that that's the case. So when I'm looking at that linebacker, we need linebacker, a linebacker that is going to be able to carry the weight inside. D-line, we need some push inside, and we need somebody to match Ziggy. Uh, <clears throat> had the nerve, listen to the radio today when I was on my way to the dentist. Somebody had the nerve to say that they need to switch Ziggy on the other side because he's not a speed, he's not a speed uh, rusher. He was like, yeah, we need to get somebody faster than Ziggy because that's not what he does. We need to put him on, uh, on the opposite side and get somebody faster. I'm like, are you serious? Like, Ziggy, like, he has everything that you want out of a speed rusher outside of this year being unhealthy. But it was, that was just surprising to me. Uh, D-backs, we need safety help and corner uh, cornerback help. Uh, always got to look, when I look at cornerbacks, I always got to look at guys going into that second contract. Guys who are trending upwards, not necessarily guys who are maxed out or guys who are in that, that third that third contract approaching 30. Um, you want to catch guys while they're trending upwards so you can get the most out of them. Um, and wide receiver, I just think we need another big receiver. We need a big wide receiver. He can be a possession receiver. You need somebody to match up to what right now your possession wide receiver is Eric Ebron. Of course, we're going to get another tight end. I think that's going to happen during the draft. But I just think that for the Lions, once again, I'm not naming names yet because every, the full list of who's free agents once teams make their final decisions isn't out. But I think that's kind of the direction that they need to go in order to improve. That defense has to be has to be a little more 
uh, less being not break and more of a aggressive stopping in a in a stopper as opposed to being not break because that keeps them on the field way too long. And I know that was a mouthful. Yeah, I mean, no, I guess I look at wide receiver. It depends on what they do with if they bring back um, Bolden because he he served that that role as possession. They just need someone else. And I will agree that they need somebody with some size. And maybe one of those guys that they had in camp last year, uh, Quinshaw Davis, Jay Lee, specifically Jay Lee of Baylor, steps up. He's a 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver, had some speed. It was just he was young and he wasn't ready to step in. Um, defensive line, definitely see the need for the, the the strong side defensive end, Jer Odrich, formerly of Jacksonville, was brought up today. A guy that can play inside and out. Uh, maybe another, depending on what they do with Haloti, uh, a defensive tackle has to be brought in as a free agent. In addition to drafting one, um, linebacker, mm-hmm. I definitely agree. This it, it got better towards the, the the second half of the season. But early on, our linebackers could not cover uh, a, a floating paper bag down the street, and it was sad. And I think that's what put them in some precarious positions and cost them a couple of games station in the loss. Whereas now you, you need a guy that can – I mean, there's a, a couple of tight ends and definitely a few running backs that you just know, okay, I just need to be close. But the majority of the guys – like the tight end for Indianapolis should not have lit us up like they did. These guys aren't speed burners. This isn't a Gronk situation. This isn't isn't even a a Julius Thomas situation who was traded for a seventh round draft pick uh, to Miami. This isn't a case where these guys are uber athletic and you just like figure, okay, I'm in trouble. They were getting burned by a bunch of nobodies. Um, defensive back, I think. As far as cornerback, I, I really think they need to go after a veteran first, kind of like what they did with old boy out of Jacksonville a couple of years back. Um, you bring some uh, – you solidify that position because now you have Darius Slay, you have Levin Lawson, uh, Levin Lawson, and you also had uh, Quandre Diggs that are coming back from injuries or having up-and-down seasons. You bring in a veteran guy and then maybe even draft a, a cornerback in the third or fourth round to add some depth. And, and I've heard some, some, some good reports from Alex Carter, who finally may be getting, turning the corner, so they, they have to see what they can get from him, if anything. So those are four or five guys right there. Uh, definitely need to decide what they're going to do with Miles Killerbrew. Is he going to be able to step into that position after, as a strong safety or will they have to go somewhere else? Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with the Lions. Uh, as far as the Cowboys, I think they just need to – They their fans want them to hit that home run with that defensive uh, end, that pass rushing defensive end, but I don't think it's going to come to free agency. I don't, I don't see them taking or it being worth them going after uh, JPP from, uh, from the Giants or someone like that. You see if you can get the Marcus Ware back here from Denver, invest in his, uh, a first-round or second-round draft pick as a, 
as a defensive end, and where they're picking, there's going to be a bunch of tweeners, guys that you that were that that combo linebackers, rush defensive end that they could draft and be in a good position. Let them let him learn underwear and then make the transition. Maybe uh, having a veteran leadership, a guy with veteran leadership, gets Randy Gregory to come around, get some of these other knuckle, uh, Demarcus Lawrence to come around and figure out that position. Um, also, they got to figure out what they're going to do with cornerback. Are they going to are they going to resign Brandon Carr? What's going to happen with uh, um, a couple other position, uh, a couple other guys, and, and just keep pushing. I think Cowboy fans won the number two quarter uh, wide receiver. Uh, that could be something that they go after in the draft in the third round because they have to find somebody that's going to take some pressure off of uh, Dad when he is on the field. And I don't think Terrence, they're, they're finally wearing thin on Terrence Williams. They, they love what Cole Beasley brings as a third wide receiver, but Terrence just isn't getting it done. Uh, he, he had an opportunity when Dez went down a couple of years back to really step up and solidify himself. He didn't take care of it enough, um, and, and they're still trying to figure that out. I, also, the million-dollar question, are they going to trade Tony Romo or are they just going to suck it up, swallow his contract, and cut him? I think at this point now, it may, the, the, that pendulum is swinging towards them just going ahead and cutting uh, Tony Romo, and it's going to be definitely interesting to see where he ends up in addition to some of these other quarterbacks that are being rumored to move or being moved on from some of their current teams. Yeah, the Romo is the elephant in the room. Um, the one thing is, you know how Jerry feels about Romo. Uh, I don't. I, I think that he may want to make sure that he has a, a, a so to say, good resting a resting place for Tony and may look at that more so than getting more bang for his buck uh, just due to that relationship that they have. Uh, but he has he has to go. I mean, right now, Jerry, his sound bites, uh, you would think that they gonna, he's going to keep him on, uh, but you, you, that, it's not good for, for either party, really. Uh, for Romo to be on the squad. I mean, because it just adds unnecessary attention. I mean, just look at how much attention it had during the NFC Championship game uh, uh, when Dak was struggling of, uh, you know, what they were going to do with if Romo was going to come in. I mean, shoot, I, we even did a poll during the game. Uh, was Dak going to – should Romo come in? The majority of people thought yes. That he should have. So that's the kind of thing that we, you know, kind of focusing on. Our uh, with that, you need to get that interruption. With that team having that young backfield, uh, they need as few distractions as possible, and they also uh, need that support. Whoever is that backup, they need that that backup to truly be supporting the person, even though they're the backup, but not competing with that and then really understanding and doing what they need to do to get the Cowboys over this hump. Because whether people believe it or not, I think the window for the Cowboys is much shorter than what people think. Uh, just due to, right, even right. though the offensive line is not as young as people want to uh, make it uh, make it out to be. And to me, that's their bread and butter. Uh, Dez, 
he he's on the second half of his career. So when you're looking at all these things, unless you're bringing in people to be backups and them being those roles, basically being Alabama players <laughs> while you're in the NFL, then you just need to watch and be and be mindful of how you do it. You don't want to waste this opportunity because once again, right now you're not playing that nothing but peanuts. And uh, you just paying him peanuts, so you want to take advantage of that while you can, uh, and not have to pay him uh, too early or pay him too much, and not be able to have a, a competitive team in place, but with a, just a high power, a high paid uh, quarterback. So, woo! Sorry, folks, my mouth is killing me. Folks, give us a call. I know it's it's nine seventeen. I know it's a new day, but we still here. I'm not feeling lonely yet, but I'm just saying. But <laughs> let's go into let's let's go into this because once again we'll, we'll revisit revisit uh, free agency many times over up until uh, free agency period is over with. But <clears throat> let's talk about when <laughs> the infamous when Twitter beef goes wrong and. To me, it's funny. This whole situation is funny and laughable, and I think it wouldn't happen if it was another year, if it was less distractions. But one of the, I would say, favorites on on Big Ten Network or ESPN covering the Big Ten, Dan Dockage, uh, whose son actually plays for Michigan, uh, goes in on uh, on, uh, Michigan State fans on Twitter uh, with statements about, you know, you like every, you all about every other, uh, like every other Michigan State student could get into Michigan, things of that nature. And um, Izzo came uh, bringing out full armor when he found out about it afterwards. Um, what two aspects of it? When it comes to Dockage, should he have ignored them or was it all just in good fun? Because he didn't get. He didn't go ham. He just made quick one-liner, quick little snubs, and, and then kept it moving. But did it get thrown, blown out of proportion? And then what's his old side about it? So that's like three, I four questions. That, right. I think Dockers did kind of go blow, go with a low blow, only because, and I've seen this firsthand, Michigan State fans, Michigan State alumni are sensitive about that quality of education in regards to Michigan. They, I mean, as I can only speak for myself, but as a person that did not go to either one of the universities, that's a conversation I I stay out of because I look at both as being high quality and different capacities, however you want to look at it. So, I think that's what it is, whereas this would have been Michigan and Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State. I think they would have kind of the, – the Twitter fans would have had something to say, but it wouldn't have been that big of a blow-up. But they – you when you're dealing with those type of snide comments from frenemies, jealous family, and things like that, it gets to you. And I think this was just – uh, the tip of the iceberg that finally cracked. Now, as far as 
Izzo, I think he was doing what most good coaches do, and that's for sticking up for a school, but he didn't have to respond. Because I don't even think it – I don't even recall if it was something that that the interviewee brought up. He just led with that. So he was looking forward to making that comment, and I think because of the what I just said as far as the whole mindset of that us against the world with Michigan State, he didn't want to let that moment pass when he could have and when he should have. <clears throat> Yeah, and see, the thing is with Izzo, <clears throat> he kind of, I, I think two major things. In in a, a week or two prior to that incident, he made a statement because uh, somebody asked a question regarding the fans, and he made a statement basically, I don't care what the fans think. If I care what the fans think, I wouldn't be a good coach, which is true to an extent, but fans still don't want to hear that. And then to the next extent, then he came to the aid of the fans coming back the next time, uh, you know, with this, I mean, to me, he, it was like Dockage was throwing darts and he went in and got the bazooka trying to blow him out. And it, and it, and it basically add, added more attention to his program, which he doesn't need when the way that they're playing right now, that they may miss the tournament. Now, granted, they may get in based on their reputation, but right now they're not necessarily a tournament team. I don't think they are. Hell, I don't think Michigan is right now either. Not, I mean, I thought they were prior to the Minnesota game, but <clears throat> just the consistent play, the inconsistent play, and now the injury that they had to one of their only true leaders on their team, veteran leaders for Michigan State. So I think that if Michigan State was one, two, or three in the conference, that he wouldn't even respond. He would have just laughed it off and was like, you think I'm worried about that? But I think he's feeling the pressure because I don't think he's ever been in this situation with the talent that he has. He's been in this situation before and wheeled his guys and coached them up. But in this situation with this talent they have and he can't figure out that missing piece, that motivator, that that combo of players to put out there that's going to do it, I think it's frustrating for all aspects. And I think if he would have been – if it would have been a typical Michigan State squad, he would have never responded. And I think it's just a sign of of – of unreadiness, uneasiness, and just the unknown of possibly not making a tournament, which is always a given. Right now, they're going to be on, they'll be, you know, the underdog based on rankings if they make the tournament, which, you know, that first, that first 16, what, no no Big Ten was, team was over eight, I think. I don't even no, think any Big Ten in the state, were they? It was, yeah, because they did the top four seeds. Nobody was in that top four. I think definitely Purdue and uh and Wisconsin are eight above eight seeds. Well I know Purdue is, but Wisconsin they well they just got a big win against Maryland. But uh up until that they had lost take, taking had two big losses. But um <clears throat> to me I just think that he he responded. He shouldn't have and it made him look bad. Uh, and there's something that you just kind of have to no win. And I think in both sides, the thing with Dockage, I think if he was just an announcer, it would have been totally out of hand for him and out of pocket for him to do that. But he's a he's a, a, a radio host as well. So, you know, those kind of things are expected more so from a radio host 
than from the play-by-play announcer from the Big Ten Network or for Big Ten games for ESPN. So <clears throat> it, I think it's you know it's dead and over and and done. I believe now, but it was just the overall back and forth. Like Michigan State should be above that. You can't be above the comments because the comments were said, but your reaction. And I think that's what it was. Fans are going to be what fans are. We talked about that the other day, about even our own fans tend to be uh, donkeys when they choose to be. But um, I just think think that he should have just let it go and and moved on, but it just drew more attention to things that you – you shouldn't be paying attention to with Michigan State basketball. You should be paying attention to tournament preparation and all those other things. But at this point in time, given how they play, that's where it is. Let's get yeah, into I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season progresses. Uh, I have Michigan winning against – well, they got to win against Rutgers. Nebraska, and if they can pull off that road game against uh, Northwestern, I think they're in even if they only get one win in the tournament, in the Big Ten tournament. I just look at some of the wins that they've had even out of conference, running a little bit better than what State did. And this is that year where State playing that gauntlet of a a non-conference schedule will come back and bite them in the butt. This is maybe they should have had a, a couple of more cupcakes, a couple of more easier games to ease these guys in when you're expecting four freshmen to play as big of a role as they have. It's, it's tough. I mean, Miles Bridges has has stepped up, and he's been that guy. Uh, but the rest of the guys, even Nick Ward has done a great job. But uh, Langford has been inconsistent, uh, and, and everybody else has really been up and down. Um, Cassius Winston has had good moments, but when they really needed him to step up, considering the fact that Tum Tum Naren gives them nothing, it's going to be hard. Very hard. <clears throat> but once again, I think they get the benefit of the doubt more than Michigan would, or 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 the more than Michigan does. Um, uh, and that that's going to come into the eye of the committee. If they're close, once again, they split. Michigan had a great opportunity, which they blew the other day, to go in and tie Michigan State. And then now you look at, well, they split, but Michigan State won by, what, three, five? Michigan won by 30? You know what I'm saying? That's that's something that stands apart between those two. But now Michigan State ends with above 500 because all they need is one, uh, I think, one more win in conference to end the season with above 500, then that kind of stands out. Whether Michigan ends at 500 or a game below or a game with two below. So, as is, this is why we love this time. I'm getting antsy just thinking about the tournament and, and what may become of it. But let's switch, flip the switch really quick. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs with uh, the uh, Red Wings and Detroit Tigers owner, Mike Illich, passing away last week. Uh, A great owner, one of the few owners who was willing to do any and everything to try to make 
as team's champions. Just unfortunate the Tigers are not able to do it. Um, it would be a hell of a script if they were able to do this in honor of Mr. I during this season. Uh, they're not as bad as people think they are. Uh, they just have to play up to their potential and, and avoid injuries. But, um, you know, we have to look at the status of the franchise. Uh, the Red Wings, that streak is going to be broken this year, folks. Uh, I can't even remember how many seasons. 21, 31 seasons of play, making the playoffs consecutively. Well, it's going to be a goner. But they kind of – it kind of parallels uh, to what we were talking about in the NBA of having that match of vets and and young players. The, the, the Red Wings kind of stayed too long with the vets and didn't have that influx of uh, rookies or young players because they were drafting so low, and they're kind of stuck with these young guys and some overpaid. Uh, young uh, uh, vets, and it's kind of like, what did they do? The you know that was the Illich's first team. That was Mike's baby. Even though we everybody knows he loved baseball more. Well, when you look at the Red Wings and where they are, Ken Holland basically being ballyhooed around this part, being the blame for where they are right now. Where do you see you know moving into a new arena next year, Little Caesars Arena? Where do you see them going from here? Now, I know we're both not big hockey guys. I'm not as big as I used to be. But as a franchise, you know, you're you're still hockey town, even though Chicago's still trying to take claim to that, which I don't understand how you steal somebody's nickname. But um, you're right. Right. You're, you're still hockey town. What, what has to be done? I mean, the reason people came before because you had a chance to win, you had stars. You know, now you have future stars. It's like the futures game we're here. What, 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 if you were the GM or if you were the Illich family, how would you address where everything is going right now? Or what would be your, your rallying cry or your directions to the, I mean, to the GM? I mean, just like with, with football, even basketball, you have to build through the draft. And maybe this is that situation where, not making the playoffs, being in the top ten, being in the top fifteen, get you that a couple of pieces that you can build upon. Uh, start looking at some of those contracts that you have with these older guys and older established stars, and determine: okay, is he part of the future? Can I move him for a couple of young guys, a couple of far, uh, a, a couple of guys that have yet to develop or yet to blow up, but I see the potential and, and start that. That, that build around. The problem with a lot of teams in sport is they, they hold on too long. And and even though this year we're in the street and some people are maybe even saying that, oh, the, the, the Red Wings held on maybe two or three years too soon, it's, it's still a possibility that they can recover and, and they can and make the moves and make the decisions that they need to that's going to make this, this down moment not so long. And I think that's where you you find your success in figuring out how to not stay down for two, three, four years. And that's where the problem with other organizations have been. They they couldn't figure out how to get back up. They they stumbled, made a bad uh, free agency acquisition, had a bad uh, ill-advised injury that kind of curtailed the season, 
and it just spiraled down from there to the point where this team is now or has been or this team hasn't made the playoffs in two or three years. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to go there. And, think that. And, and I give the Red Wings credit. They are one of the few teams, if not the only team in the city, where they had no problem attracting top uh, top talent. But now you have to say, okay, I may not get that superstar that's on the market, but I can get this piece, this piece, and add him with my youngsters, and I can build towards going from the the ninth, excuse me, going from the ninth seed to the to the sixth seed, and from the sixth seed to the the third seed, and do it that way instead of just trying to jump from the bottom to the top. And because you're going to have to take some risks, they could backfire. Yeah, they, I mean, a lot of fans were upset last year that they ended up making the playoffs because it, you know, ended up being like an empty streak at the end of the day, being losing in the first round, even though they were competitive in that first round. But uh, it, 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 you know, you like you said, you have to build it the right way. I mean, you're gonna have to have some tough years. You're gonna have to have some opportunities to draft in the top ten of the draft to kind of rebuild where you are because depending on young players, if they don't develop, then you kind of stuck where you are. I mean, you got a lot of bad contracts that you can't trade. I mean, you're still paying for players that's, that's, that's over in, in the playing in Russia. Now, for Sweden, I can't think where uh, that suit's playing. But that's the thing is um, you have to make moves for the future, which is the time you hadn't had to do that since, the late 80s, where before, once you start winning, you just start adding in, hey, here's this guy at the end of his career. We're getting Hull. We're getting Robitaille. We're getting this guy. We're getting Shanahan. We're getting these guys that are already established that are going to add to us without taking that. And they're going to take – we're going to not have to pay them the full allotment that you would if we were a, a team that just needed that one play. So right. I think, you know, with them, I think it, fans are going to have to be patient. Uh, just be excited about the arena, and hopefully by the second year, third year tops, they'll be a competitive team again. And hockey, you can get some up-and-coming guys. You can have some guys, you draft guys that are coming in, that will be able to come in within two years, and now you're seeing the, the benefits of uh, what they can do. But you have to do it the right way. I'm not sure if Ken Holland knows how to do it this way because he's been doing it such the uh, opposite way for so long. But if you get a new GM, then you're going to start over unless you get somebody and say, hey, I could get Scotty Bowman to come to be the GM. I know he knows how to win or somebody else with that type of street cred in the hockey game because you may be starting over. And you may be doing something different than what you've always done. And the fans are going to be extra critical, which means that timeline – is going to change, may change on how long he has to fix that team. Now, when it comes to the Tigers, the Tigers are a little bit different. I think the Tigers are on the aspect of playing up to their potential. I mean, they've been pretty much almost a perennial uh, playoff team, battling to the end, being in the playoffs, <clears throat> two World Series since 06. Um, it's just really things just never came together for that team. Uh, this past season, the pitching came around, the hitting with 
to to hail in a handbasket. Um, you have a nice young core of pitchers. You have a solid core of, as they call them, professional hitters. But you need people to step up. You need everything to play out. You need to determine what type of style of play you're going to have. They're still – I don't think they're a station-to-station team like they were a couple of years ago. But you still have to have, be able to get guys on and be able to move them on, move them, move them up, and get them to second base to score on the base hit. Uh, you can't just depend on the extra base hit from guys and, and guys scoring from first to home. And that's what we've been doing for such a long time. I mean, <clears throat> I think that this is going to be the year that's going to determine. I think that I hope that the Tigers know, the players recognize, they're pretty much going to have until the the all-star break to determine what they're going to be before a fire sale becomes. Because if J.D. Martinez isn't playing lights out like we need him to play, they're going to trade them unless we're in the race. You know, so the thing is, is that this is the year of discontent when it comes to the Tigers. I don't think it's going to be breaking all the parts because you can't break all these parts up, you know. But you may see some of those trades that were rumored that never happened during the offseason occur during, before the trade deadline if the team does not step up. If the team is not within – three to five games of first, of, of first place, which everybody assumes is going to be the Indians. Otherwise, it's going to be, hey, Tiger Tiger fans, it, it, hit the reset button because that's pretty much what we're going to do. We're going to keep these young pitchers and we're going to find some players that's going to be able to get on base, that's going to be able to run, and we're going to become a National League team until we get, you know, some additional hitters because I think this is Victor, going to be Victor's last year. Mickey still has a whole lot of years on his contract, but I see two to three years of, of – of, Miggy being Miggy. And I'm talking about Miggy being Miggy is hitting for average and extra base hits. Not necessarily the home runs, but I would prefer him not to have to hit those home runs. I think a lot of the home runs he hits because he has to hit. Now, you hitting those ropes and those moonshots, you trying to hit the home runs is different. But uh, I think think they're going to be better than what most people think. It just depends to me how good Cleveland is going to be in bouncing back and bouncing back from the debacle of what was the World Series win that they thought they had. Um, you know, odds are they're not going to be as good as they as they were, but maybe they'll be like Kansas City and come right back and win it the next year. But that's hard to do. Kansas City is in full rebuild, uh, rebuild mode now, you know, based upon how, how they were last season. So, Baseball is really fickle. It's a long season, but you need to, more times than not, do what you need to do. And this is the year in which everything needs to come to fruition or it'll be not turning on the Tigers game after uh, July. (laughs) That's what it'll be for fans, and they're probably not turning on a consistent basis for another two years. Uh, the good thing is you got those young pitchers under control, player control. I mean, uh, team control for a couple of years, so you're not worrying about them leaving. But it will be a different uh, Tigers team than what we saw. But I, I don't. Do you see them selling either one of the teams within the next two years? Mm, not that soon. Uh. Unless somebody like a Dan Gilbert comes calling and offers them a makes them an offer they can't refuse, um, 
It's, it, I think they they definitely want to keep it in the family as long as it's trending in the right direction, and that means not necessarily being uh, back in the playoffs and being a one, two, or three seed or making the uh, the, the World Series, but just having the return on an investment where you have fans engaged and you have people. Well, we're definitely going to have people at the the hockey arena and it's, uh, because it's new, but having people at consistently going out to uh, Comerica Park. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's rumored that, that they will sell the Tigers before the Red Wings because Dad was the Tigers guy. Kids more are hockey, t- hockey, hockey guys. So it's just going to be interesting. But uh, Coach, I mean, Coach I, Mr. I was was the player's owner. He was a, a full-blown Detroiter through and through, and it's a huge loss for the city and for the NHL and MLB. Uh, but um, I'll tell you one thing. I'm so glad that they get rid of Joe Louis Arena because I went to a concert yeah. there on Friday, and I thought they were going to have to get the jaws of life to me out of that seat. Because, not because of the seat, but because we sat in the front row on the upper deck and there's no leg room. It's just solid brick. So unless you're a little kid or unless you want to stretch your legs over the, the railing, it's a wrap. <laughs> like my knees just now recovering. That was Friday night. But hey, you know, that that it was that is an old a older building. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see them finally give them the just do, and that'll open up some doors not only for the the sports venues, but just the the concerts and the the events that have come that'll make the city more profitable. Definitely looking forward to a maybe a regional uh, NCAA regional being there because of now because of the new arena, and now they have shoot possibly even the All Star game which the NBA owes the damn Pistons after skipping over them once they built the Pilots years ago. And I was so mad about that as a kid because the pattern was there. You get into the arena, you get an all-star game. Pistons get the Pilots, what happened? No all-star game. Nathan. They gave us Nathan. So here we go. Did we go through think we went through a little fast today. So I'm going to give it to you to give us something else to talk about, Q. I mean, we we haven't, speaking of All-Star Game, Oh, what? yeah. Oh. We touched on Go it ahead. briefly, but, I mean, we've had this conversation before. What can the NBA do to make it more enjoyable? What can the NBA do to make it where not only are fans engaged, but the players are. I mean, what from the weekend, I mean, this whole weekend was blocked. I missed most of the events because I was, I was at a wedding on Saturday and then I was watching, like you said, watching the Michigan game on Sunday, but just hearing the reaction to the, the all-star game itself, you know, defense. And I mean, we, we know they don't play defense in this game, but it was like real bad. No defense. I mean, no no attempt to stop the guy, no attempt to put a hand in the face, just letting him shoot from wherever, just doing stupid stuff. But also with the, the, the festivities like the dunk contest, 
How many times does it take to make a dunk? How many I, I, how many times have we seen somebody jump over somebody? And I think at this point right now, the the, the fans are disgruntled because you're not getting some of the yeah we don't need the the equivalent of Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins who were bigger stars at, during that time during the eighties to participate. We just need some good some good competition. I think what happened. What messed it up this year was Zach Levine not being able to participate and then Aaron Gordon kind of taking things off. You need somebody. Uh, Big Dog Jr. did what he could. Um, you you saw the, the reserve, I can't even think of his name, from, uh, that ended up, who hasn't even dunked in the game, hasn't played in the game, participate. Where are the, the that next tier? of guys to participate and to be in the dunk. I can remember one dunk contest where we had Dane Miller, uh, Paul George, and those mid-level superstars participating. We're not even getting that. And I think the fans hate that. Uh, is the NBA going to have to pony up and make it a million-dollar cash prize? Do they have to make it where you – and we talked about this, where guys come in and you – you have a Sprite contest or a TNT or NBA-led contest, and the guy is able, the winners are, you pick two winners and there's a GM for the weekend, and they get to be the coach for the, 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 the celebrity game, they get to pick what happens during the dunk contest, and then turn the NBA game into a pickup game where you pick the, how many players on the roster, and you let these two participants, these two winners, Pick the roster. So now, unlike with the NFL, where it was weird having uh, a defender for the Lions go up against his teammate, this would be fun to see. Oh, KD and and LeBron on the same team, or see Kyrie and Steph Curry on the same team, because you it's a lot easier to deal with that in basketball than it is with football. So I'm I'm just throwing out some dark hope and stick, but. It's just interesting that as the years pass, the interest in the game, and thank God it was in New Orleans where you had a lot of things going on outside of the actual events to keep people engaged and to keep people interested. I mean, I don't know if you heard about it, the the, uh, the Dave Chappelle secretive party. That's one of the most talked about events that took place this past weekend. Everybody that was there had a great time. They detached from their cell phones, and it was fun. Them going to L.A. next year will help. But just imagine how bad this weekend would have been if this game was in Charlotte still. So then you had people that wouldn't have had the, the fun of the parties and wouldn't have had the fun of the festivities, and then they'd have been forced to watch a lackluster weekend, lackluster dunk contest, lackluster skills challenge, lackluster game. Charlotte would have never been able to recover from that. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean I'm in a hundred percent agreeance with you that something has to change to add some excitement to it. I like uh parts of you know, involving the fans to a point where hey you win a contest, you can do this. But I mean, once again, it, it's it's already a glorified rec game pickup. But let's have some like you said, let's add some skin to the game. You know, let's do a drive, but let's do, hey, we do a five-on-five tournament. Did you got 
however many teams you do a round robin that you could do over a period of time, 10 minute games, it could be half court if it needs to be. Um, but you do something that's entertaining for the fans, that's beneficial for the players because it's money that either they're going to win or money they're going to donate. They determine what they're going to do. They don't pick the teams. It's a, it's a, you know, somebody gets to pick, and then the fan or fan, the fan coach or the fan whoever put the team, kind of like MLB with the with the home run derby, with the Century Twenty One piece where each player, I mean each fan is attached to a player, and they win if their team wins. So you have to do something, dude, because I was like not in thought. Like seriously, the last couple of years, the biggest thing for the All Star Weekend, which I still haven't seen uh, this year, was for me to watch the celebrity game. Because I know it was going to be funny, and I want to see what celebrities can hoop. But excuse me. But this this game, once again, I missed the entire first half. Um, but this game, when I saw it, I mean, it was just like, man, people. Some people weren't even going across half court. I mean, when uh, the the uh, the guy from Milwaukee, uh, the Greek guy, when he did Greek that one dunk, yeah. And yeah, the Greek freak and and uh, Steph Curry fell out on the floor, covered his ears. Right? Yeah, it was funny, but like, dude, it's the All Star game. Like, if you get dunked on, you're supposed to get dunked on. I mean, I just right. didn't understand that piece. And yeah, yeah, we said we. I mean, typically All Star, and once again, you know the, the time frame we're focusing on, folks, is always from that we are in the 80s and the 90s. They did like that fourth quarter. It was money time as far as we playing this defense. You ain't about to do this on us. Boom, 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 boom. Well, you saw some of the best all-star games. I don't say best all-star games. Competitive. And this game was competitive. And then, like, the fourth quarter, it just, just got out of hand. Like, dude, what are y'all doing? And then you see instances like, People there to see James Harden and James Harden over there. I don't, I think he was secretly trying to just get a triple-double, try to get his assists first, and then try to get his points and rebounds because he didn't take a shot in the first half, which is, like, crazy. And I, I did a poll. I put a poll up on, on our on our site asking, you know, if you went to the All-Star game, would you want a refund? And 55% of the people said, yeah. And once again, All-Star is when you look at cost to attend the events like the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and definitely the game, this isn't your $150 fee or even $200 fee. You're paying three, four, five hundred dollars to attend some of these events, and they're being and it's lackluster. It's horrible. I mean, you're you're doing a great disservice to the people to the fans, the true fans, not the celebrities, not the people that are tied to these organizations or not even the, the corporate heads that give away these, that get these tickets and give them away. You got fans out here that are spending their hard-earned money to attend the dunk contest, and they, they're being forced to watch this. Or they're, or they're fortunate enough to be able to go to the All-Star game after shucking out a couple, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800, and they're being forced to watch this? Nah. Either lower the tickets or make them play competitively. Right. And I, I don't understand why that's not the case. I mean, it's like 
Well, we may get injured. I mean, you may get injured at practice. And then what? Now no practices? Thing is that you play for a good percentage for the fans. Yes, you pay for your paycheck, but you couldn't earn the money that you earned if the fans didn't come see you play. So the thing is that go ahead and play. You know, do I have a drive with play? Do something that entertains it because that wasn't entertaining basketball-wise. Like, I could go to a rec center and watch two good teams play and be more intrigued and be willing to pay more than I would for the game that just – There's a way that you can play competitive without being – without having to worry about being injured. We're not talking about taking it back to the 90s. Where you got the bad boys and you get you going up for a layup and you being undercut. Now, if somebody beats you off the dribble, yeah, you're not gonna follow them like you would if you were in the game. But at least pick them up at half court. At least defend them. Act like you want to play defense. Those are two different extremes, and I don't think that the fans. I mean, I don't think the players really understand that if they're using that as an excuse because they don't want to get hurt. No, you can play defense or you can play in this exhibition game and not get hurt. It's no different than players going to the Rucker, players going to St. Cecilia, players going to some of these uh, tournaments in off season and playing, and they play hard there because they don't want to get embarrassed. It's the same thing. Take that mindset of you not want to get embarrassed and, and ball out. Because I guarantee if, they, if Dane Lillard went to the Rucker, he ain't going to half-ass it, or if uh, LeBron James went to, to whatever big tournament trying to show up, he's going to come. He He's going to have to come to play because they're going to come to play at him. And I think that's one thing they really need to find some way of making it a little bit more competitive and may, maybe it means opening that ante, $5 million reward, uh, uh, ante for the, the winners or something crazy. I mean, I know they can't do the like Major League Baseball deal for the home field advantage, but something has to be done to make where these guys want to play this game. Because it's not like the NFL. It's not like the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, I can see, is you can get hurt. Tackling someone, you can get hurt no matter what. Whether you're playing pick them up, mess them up in the backyard, or you're playing tap with pads on That's the sport that you have to kind of watch how you play. With basketball, and even baseball, you still have – you can go 80% and still be okay and still be competitive and still show, give a good showing. Right. And I think that, you know, somebody has to go ahead, market it the right way, get the buy-in from the players, the players' union, everything that you that you need and want so that it becomes fun again. Because, yeah – I mean, how many times are you going to see people dunk uncontested and take wild threes? Like, LeBron made that one three for half court. I know he took at least two because I saw one. I don't know if he took another one. But the thing is, is like, you know, why nobody even on him? Like, you not pick, you can't pick them somebody up at half court? It was just the whole thing. It was like, it was, okay, it's a glory. For, I mean, uh, dang on preseason games are more competitive than this game was. And granted, it is something else that, you know, more that's, that's attached to, to that. But I just wanted I just wanted it to be more entertaining, especially to non diehard NBA fans. 
which I am not a diehard NBA fan. I am grandfathered into that due to my more than one decade of being a diehard NBA fan, but right now I'm not. I'll watch it. I can stomach it, but you want more than that. And they don't give me that. Not yet. So somebody needs to listen within the NBA. Listen to your fans. We want more. Give me some more. Give me some more. We want some more. But (laughs) that was the NBA. So gut feelings, we got four minutes. Who you? Who, which teams do you think are gonna make the biggest move? Make make moves during this trade, the trade deadline. Hmm. I don't know if it's oh, gonna who? be necessary. I can hmm. see Boston moving somebody. Uh, they have a lot of assets. They have a lot of. They have some some pieces that could be transferred to get a player that they think is gonna help them. Um. I think that's the one thing. Uh, right now, also, I just saw come across my timeline. The Oklahoma City is in is under consideration to try to uh, to try to get Wilson Chandler. They also mentioned Gay, but Gay is out with the Achilles. So, I mean, that could help, but is that enough to get them over the hump or make them more competitive? Depends on what they have to give up to get them. And I think that's the one thing. If you're not, don't give up a first round pick. Definitely not for this upcoming for the the 2017-18 draft. Um, and don't give up a young piece that you think that you really that can really contribute. If you don't have to do those two things, shoot, deal on, deal on, and get what you can get. All right, so I'm gonna give you a name. You let me know if they're gonna if you if they're gonna be traded. You give a quick ten second answer. Derrick Rose. Uh, yep. Mello. He has no trade clause. You said no. No. Reggie Jackson. As much as I want him to be, I don't think so. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Nah, they, whoever gets him gonna have to give up too much to get him. Paul George. Same with uh, Jimmy Butler. Jaleel Okafor. Yup. Oh, that one already happened. Um. And last but not least, we talked about this extensively. Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. No, because they're not going to get the pieces they want. That makes all the sense. So we'll be able to give a full recap next Tuesday, folks. Remember, spread the word. Next Tuesday and every Tuesday following, we will be on the air at Sports Q&A. Uh, but check us out. Listen to the podcast. It'll be ready almost immediately following the show. Uh, but check us out and go to www.sportsqanda.com to check out our latest articles and the podcast. We will holler at you great people next week. Peace them up.
and hopefully your team gets the player that it wants or gets rid of the ones that it doesn't want. We shall holler at you next week, folks. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.